Hey, good morning everyone. It's good to be with you even though I'm actually over in our staying site today. Now, in How to Hear God, Pete Gregg tells this beautiful story about a guy called Sean. So Sean isn't a Christian. Um, He doesn't confess to kind of reading the Bible or going to church at all. Um, And for a job, what he does is he he tiles bathrooms and kitchens, but he's at a crossroads in his life. You see, he's got um, some pain in his knee and he's going to have to have some surgery on that due to some arthritis. Um, and at the same time he has this opportunity to open his own business to open a shop so he's thinking what should he do now one night and this is during the first lockdown do you remember a couple of years ago he goes to bed as usual and as he sleeps he dreams and in his dreams he sees this brilliant white light which is coming from a chair at the table and then there's a man that gets up and walks um, down up a staircase towards him and he knows immediately that it's Jesus. Jesus puts his hand on Sean's shoulder and simply says, I've got you. And Sean describes the experience of of, um, God's power just coming on him at the moment. He described it like every single cell in his body was exploding with pure love. Now, when he woke up, Sean felt completely different. And in fact, everything changed in his life. There were bad habits that died. Even his fear of death had gone. And then the very next day, while he's tiling another bathroom, he's listening to the radio. And this word keeps coming to him. Corinthians, Corinthians, Corinthians. Now, it's not a word that he knows. So he scribbles it, the word on the bathroom wall that he's about to tile. And then he hears the number seven and a little while later he hears the number 26 as well. He's a little bit confused but he takes this home to his wife and his wife thinks that maybe it's something to do with the Bible. So they look up 1 Corinthians 7 26 and it says this, it says, because of the present crisis I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Remember this is right in the middle of the pandemic. So Sean remains a Tyler. His appointment for knee surgery comes through. He doesn't open a new business during that pandemic, but his life is transformed. Now, for me, this is an extraordinary story. I've certainly never had a dream or encounter quite like that for myself. And I also wouldn't recommend Bible bingo as a way of reading scripture. But the reality is God is constantly speaking even as we sleep. Scripture shows us that dreams and visions are one of the most frequent ways that God speaks, both to his own people and the leaders, but also even to those that did not follow him. People like the pharaohs and wise men you see at the Christmas story. So wherever you are at on your journey of knowing and hearing God, this is for all of us. This is for you today. Today we are continuing our series on how to hear God and so over the last few weeks what we've done, we've we've talked about hearing God in a number of different ways through scripture, through prayer, last week in prophecy and today through dreams and visions. Now the passage we're looking at today is from Acts chapter 10. Here we're going to read about two men and two visions. We have Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, and Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion. You really couldn't get two more different people. Now before we turn to scripture, let me just pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you are speaking right now. 
And Lord, I pray that our ears would be open to the things that you have to say to us. Lord, I pray that anything of me that is distracting in any way, that you would um, help us to ignore that and just to hear the things that you have to say to us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 10. It says this, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel had got, um, who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord Peter replied. I have never eaten anything unpure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And we'll take a little breather there. So what happens in the next few verses, Peter invites them into the house and then they travel to Cornelius' place. And three days later, these two men come face to face. And in Cornelius' house are a large group of people already gathered to hear Peter. And we'll pick it up again in verse 30. And this is Cornelius speaking. Three days ago, in my, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And we'll pause again there. Peter tells all those who had gathered about Jesus. He tells them about the, uh, Jesus' life, death and resurrection and the good news that all who believe in him would receive forgiveness for all their sins. Now, let's not forget that these were Gentiles he was speaking to. And before his vision, Peter did not believe that God had come to save those who weren't Jews. 
And then this happens as he speaks, and we pick it up again in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptised with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered um, them to be, that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with him for a, them for a few days. And we're going to stop there this morning. Wow, you know, what a story. I just love these accounts in Acts of how the Holy Spirit filled ordinary people, leading them to extraordinary acts. Um, as, yeah, as, as Bethan shared last week, God speaks through all our senses, including what we see. He shows us things whilst we're asleep in our dreams, and he also shows us things whilst we're awake. Often that will be in our mind's eye. Um, we see something in our minds that isn't really there, like a, a boat, a valley, or some other visual thing that might be an encouragement for someone. But it can also be a huge vision like we see in this passage that Peter and Cornelius have where something really visual comes up and, and they can see it almost like it's really there. Now today I'm going to share a few thoughts on why God speaks to us in these ways and just try and think about helping us to understand what he might be saying and then to think about how we can see more of this in our own lives. And I'm going to be talking about both dreams and visions and, and will at times use these terms interchangeably. So apologies if that, um, if that upsets you a little bit, but they're so similar. That I think it's just helpful to talk about these together. Now, what I share today, I'm, I'm indebted to Pete Gregg, obviously, with some of the thoughts that he's come up uh, within his How to Hear God book, but also a guy called Steve Nicholson, who some of you may be familiar with. He was a vineyard pastor for 45 years. He, he led that church for 45 years, um, the church that he planted, and he has so much experience in this area. Now, when God speaks, there are perhaps like three ways that we process what he is saying, and it starts with revelation. So, first of all, why visions and dreams? Why does God um, bring revelation in this way? The first thing I want to share is that I think he does it to get our attention. The reality is that he often reveals things in dreams and in visions that we wouldn't normally be open to. In the passage that we read, two very different men have visions. Peter, the fisherman turned preacher and church leader. Cornelius, the wealthy, God-fearing Gentile or non-Jew, a Roman centurion and a military man. These two people would not ordinarily have even talked to each other. And yet three days after that first vision, they are together in the same room and Peter is sharing the good news of Jesus with Cornelius. Now, both these visions are pretty dramatic. I mean, take the vision that Cornelius had. I mean, seeing just someone like an angel figure standing there must have been quite scary. The angel says that his prayers have been heard. Now, it makes me wonder, what was he praying for? Now, we don't know for sure, but my guess that it was something along the lines of, God, if you're real, if all this is real, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. And I think that's a really good prayer to, prayer to pray. If you've never prayed that before, why don't you pray that today? And it's a prayer that God loves to answer just as he did for Cornelius. And then looking at Peter's vision, I mean, that was just a crazy vision, wasn't it? 
Peter's hungry, he's getting ready to eat when he falls into a trance and has this open vision in front of him with all these different kinds of animals that he would have thought of as unclean. And he hears this voice telling them, telling him to eat. Like I said, it's crazy, isn't it? Peter protests saying that these animals are unclean, but the reply comes back saying, don't think of anything, don't think anything that God has made clean to be impure. And I, I love this. There's some, there's some kind of familiarity here. But Jesus, um, when, um, when Peter denied Jesus, he, um, he did that three times. And this vision happens three times as well. Clearly, God knew that Peter needed to be told more than once for something to sink in. Peter needed a vision to understand for himself what perhaps others were already sensing. He needed to see that three times. You know, maybe a word from a close friend or perhaps even the whisper of the Holy Spirit was not enough to get his attention. Like I said before, God is always speaking, but we need to be listening. The author and pastor Scott McKnight, he points out that the word listen appears over 1,500 times in the Bible. And what's the biggest complaint of God's people? It's that they don't listen. I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. It's not a new thing. God speaks to people through scripture, in dreams and visions. Perhaps, you know, we don't listen to him when we won't listen to him in any other way. So we, 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 let me repeat that sentence. You know, God speaks to people throughout scripture, in dreams and in visions, perhaps because we won't listen to him in any other way. Indeed, when we dream, the reality is we're not fully conscious, so our minds are far less likely to argue with what God is saying and far more likely to listen to what God is saying to us. More of that in a bit. Secondly, God speaks through dreams and visions to, to point us towards a prepared future. In these early days of the church, the apostles were seeing many coming to faith in Jesus, but the reality is that many of these were Jewish people. Yet God's promise was for all tribes, tongues and nations. And after his encounter with Cornelius, Peter explains to the other church leaders what had happened. And we read this in the following chapter, chapter 11, verse 18. He said, when they heard all that he had to share, they had no further objections and praise God, saying, so then, even so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. The impact of these two visions were huge. One man's life transformed, was transformed. The lives of a whole household were transformed. But beyond that, it had the most significant impact on the whole globe. You see, from that day forward, the early church grew rapidly as the apostles spread out across the known world, sharing the good news that they had received. The apostles to that point had been limited in how they shared the good news, but these visions pointed them towards a preferred future where all tribes, tongues and nations would be welcomed in God's kingdom. And I love, and just have a look out this, as you're sat here this morning, we get a glimpse of that every single Sunday. Now, in our own lives, he will often speak to us of a, of a preferred future. And I'm, I'm just drawn back to a dream that I had a few years ago. I was in my old, I found myself in my old childhood home, which my parents had moved away from. And I could see these boxes of all these things from my past, good things and bad things, hard things, difficult things. 
And I knew that God was simply telling me to leave behind the things from my past and to step into the preferred future that God had for me. And I believe that's true for all of us. He has a preferred future for us all. Now, thirdly, I think he speaks in dreams and visions to point us in the right direction. So often God uses dreams to do this. We saw in Sean's life how his life was turned upside down through a dream. And we see it throughout scripture. God speaks to all sorts of people in their dreams, even those that don't know him. We see it in the story of Joseph where Pharaoh has two dreams. Um, Joseph says to Pharaoh in Genesis 41, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then through Joseph's interpretation of that dream, a whole nation and many more besides are saved from the horrors of famine. And God also warns people not to head in the wrong direction. And nowhere do we see this more clearly than in the Christmas story. The wise men were warned in a dream to avoid going back to King Herod with the news of where the baby Jesus was. Joseph was warned in another dream to go to Egypt rather than returning to his home until King Herod had died and the threat to baby Jesus' life was over. So God speaks to us in dreams and visions. Now, I, I really want to level with you this morning. You know, I don't think I've had a full on vision like we see with Peter and Cornelius. But I've had, I've had plenty of pictures when I'm praying for people that seem to have helped and encouraged people in that moment. And I've also had plenty of dreams, many of which I don't remember. So how can we allow God to speak to us more, specifically in dreams? But I think these, these ideas also apply to other areas of how God speaks to us as well. The first thing is by filling our minds with good things. And the small group materials will go into this more. Um, Philippians 4 verse 8 talks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's important we spend time to meditate on the good things. If we want to hear God speak to us more, it's important that we spend time in stillness and silence. Spend time reading the Bible, engaging with the Bible, listening to worship music. These are all significant ways that we can fill our minds with good things. Secondly, ask him. Ask him to do it. It sounds obvious, but like I said a couple of weeks ago, we actually need to tune our brains into his frequency to hear what he is saying. So if we want to hear God in our subconscious whilst we're asleep, then we also need to be sleeping well. So, I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like a parent here, but it's important that we get to bed in good time so that we can get good up in good time as well. So we do that consistently in our lives. It's important we do things like limit our time on screens. And by that, I mean, get this out of your bedroom unless you can trust yourself to reach out to it in the middle of the night. And you might just need to invest in one of those. Do you remember those old fashioned alarm clocks? They're not expensive and they do the job. The third thing is write it down. Now, like I said before, so often when we dream about something, we forget about it by the morning. 
We do it all the time. The reality is we wake up at intervals normally just after we've been dreaming. So write it down, grab a pen and pad. Yes, go old school. Unless you can actually trust yourself not to jump on Facebook or email at 4 a.m. if you've got your phone in front of you. Just use pen and paper, it's much safer. Write down what you've dreamt and if you can write down also what you were feeling in that moment. The fourth thing is to begin to interpret what's being said. I said earlier that when God speaks, there are three ways that we process what he's saying. It starts with revelation, that's listening to what he's saying, and then it continues with interpretation. And interpretation starts with God. In the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, that's Daniel, he of lion's den fame, he says to King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So how? Ask what kind of dream it is. You know, not all dreams are from God, might seem obvious, but sometimes we just do a kind of mind dump where we, we get out all our cares and our worries in our dreams. Sometimes there might be a dark dream that we have. We, and if we do that, we might feel fearful, uneasy. You know, Bethan shared about a dream that she had last week and her response was just to pray in that moment. Or perhaps it is a divine dream. Perhaps it is a dream from God. And if that is, it's likely to bring comfort, peace, and will often lead to prayer or a desire to interpret. So then ask God what he's saying. And remember that filter, is it affirming biblical Christ-like, A, B, C. Sometimes interpretation comes immediately, like with Joseph, we read that. Sometimes objects or places might have significant meaning for us. So that dream that I had in my old home, it didn't take a lot of unpacking for me to understand what God was trying to tell me in that moment. Sometimes we might see something like bread and that can often refer to the Bible. And then the next step is just to talk to someone that you trust, a small group leader, a pastor. Is it for you or are there implications wider than that? And it's worth being aware that God, if God is speaking, he will let you know what you need to know. But don't base all your life on dreams and visions. Just like um, Bethan said last week around prophecy, don't base your life on a dream. And the final part of hearing God after revelation and interpretation is application. We need to work out how to apply what we've heard into our lives. Cornelius seeks out Peter to help him with that, and Peter leads him to Jesus. Now often it's difficult for the person who hears God to work out how to put that into practice, and that's where it's really important that we bring these words and these dreams and these pictures to other people. And by other people, I think it's really helpful to bring these to a pastor or a small group leader and to work out the next step that you need to take. Now, as I land, I, I just sense that there are many of us wanting to hear God speak to us more, wanting us to tune in to what he's saying in our dreams and in other areas of our lives as well, and other ways that he speaks. And I think there are people here today at a crossroads in their lives needing to hear a word from God. And we just simply want to create space to do that. So I'm going to hand back to the team in the room. God bless you all.